7 o'clock tonight, the Jays open a three-game series against the Yankees at the Rogers Center. Yankees have come from behind win yesterday over the Royals. Paravere and Judge home runs. <clears throat> They've won nine in a row. And uh, a reminder that we've got a pair of tickets for Wednesday's Jays-Yankees game, and we'll be giving it away, giving them away, I should say, their trivia contest uh, in the next segment, just before Dante Bichette joins us. Uh, we're going to give you the chance all year long to win Blue Jays tickets here in Blair and Barker. Whether you listen on the radio or on our podcast. And again, that'll be in the bottom of the hour, a pair of tickets to, uh, to see the Yankees and Jays on Wednesday. Pretty good time to be a baseball fan in New York. Yankees leading not, the AL. Not a bad time. Mets leading the National League. Mets look good. Confidence. Yeah, did you see them? Attitude you see with the, your boy. See those Marlins? See the Marlins? See the Marlins? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, it's like a... Keep an eye on the Marlins. The Mets are really the Mets are the Mets are a, a, a just they they just look different when you watch them on the field. There's a complete there, there's just a different feeling about that team compared to last year. I watched them against the Phillies, and there's there's kind of that you're getting a little of that arrogance. You're getting a little of that of that arrogance. They got some good starting pitching. We talked about the Blue Jays. And the like, dude, Max Scherzer, Max Scherzer's become the guy on that team. Like, not just the pitcher. He's the guy in that team. You, They had several shots. You watch him in the dugout. I mean, he he's the guy. With all due respect to Francisco Lindor, he doesn't look scared anymore. He looked scared last year. Yeah, he he. you get the sense he's in. I think he knows he's, you know what? I think he knows he's on a better team. Maybe. And I'm sure, you know, if you're a guy like Lindor and you, you know, you, you you sign the long-term deal and everything. I, I think maybe you 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 kind of. I'm sure there were. I'm sure. Well, I shouldn't say I'm sure because I don't necessarily know how he's wired. But there were times last year where all that stuff going on. Remember the run-in in the tunnel and all that, the raccoon or whatever the hell it was. There are times last year where I, he must have just said, "I hope to hell this isn't this isn't what it's going to be like all the time." And I think he realizes now that, um, you know, that this is that, that you, whatever all, all joking aside about Buck, about Buck Showalter, you don't hire him as a manager unless you're a serious team. You don't hire Buck Showalter for, you know what, and giggles. I mean, Why Dusty came to the Astros? Yeah, you hire them because you think the team is good enough to win. And they come to you. Like Buck Showalter is probably not going to go to a rebuild. They come to you managers like that because they think you're good enough to win so but, we shouldn't really be we shouldn't really be surprised but there's still you know their numbers it, it, it's uh, uh, john Heyman will join us in a few minutes there were some stats out there i mean they're not hitting the ball very hard they're among the the league the trailers in the league and hard hit percentage and barrels and stuff like that they are they just are they're winning they're wearing big boy pants here's the pants you wore last year here's big boy pants Let's try those on for size. Maybe oh, that's what Buck they're, um, Yeah. Different team. They're a different team. You got to be intimidating a little bit to play in New York. You do. You have to be that team. <laughs> like the American League East. 2015, the Blue Jays were intimidating. Sorry, a little bit of breaking news here. The Speaking of the Mets, they've just designated Robinson Cano for assignment. So the Mets, of course, are taking steps like every team is to get down to the 26, uh, get, get down to the 26-man roster. Um, Robinson Cano is what he's, is he 40? 39. He's 39. 
He's been suspended twice for PEDs. Um, About when? So there you are. And getting it done, they think somebody else can do a better job than you, you're out. Yeah. That's the way it is. You know, it's uh, it's amazing because, man, there was a time where Robinson Cano was going to be the next Yankee. He was the guy that once Jeter left and once Bernie Williams left and, and Mariano left and Posada, he, he was going to be the next Yankee. He was going to be what Aaron Judge is turned into be. That sounds... That sounds like a Buck Walter move. Yeah. Let's find out. Let's bring in John Heyman of uh, MLB Network and the New York Post. John, thanks so much for joining Barker and myself today. We trust you're doing well. Um, I, are you su- You're not surprised that Robinson Cano was DFA'd, are you? Because it, it, it had been out there. I, I, I'm just, like I just told Barker, I, you were around the Yankees more than I was around them. But I can remember at one point, everybody's looking at Robinson Cano as sort of the next, he was going to be the next cornerstone for the next quote-unquote great Yankees dynasty. That didn't happen. Um, yeah, no, I'm not I'm not shocked at this point. I mean, the Mets are the one team that is completely unconcerned about the money. How much does this so, cost them, by the way? $30, $39 million about. I mean, I don't, you don't want to say cost them. They would have to pay the $39 million either way. But, yeah. you know, uh, they're cutting a guy they owe $39 million to. So, um, you know, that's that's a lot of money. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know that any other team would have done this, but uh, they do not care about the money. Steve Cohn has told his baseball people, do whatever you think is right. And, look, Dom Smith is a good young hitter. Uh, J.D. Davis, they obviously need, is their one right-handed bat off the bench. Giorme is the one backup to Lindor. I mean, you could send down Giorme, and then if Cano got hurt, you'd put in Escobar for half the game, and then – call up Guillaume for the next day, you know, you could have done that. And that's what most teams would have done. But, you know, they, they feel those other players are contributing more and, uh, you know, good for them in a way that uh, they don't care about the money. Yeah. Um, so the Yankees are leading the American League. The Mets are leading the National League. What, what team do you have more confidence in right now? You know, let's fast forward to the end of the year. And which of those two teams do you think is is still going to be at the top of the heap? Or could they both still be yeah. at the top of the heap? Well, they could. But if, if you ask me which one, I, I would say the Mets. Um, I, I believe a little bit more in their starting pitching. Um, the depth has turned out to be much better than anyone would have thought. Uh, McGill uh, has been a revelation. We'll, I mean, we'll see how long it continues. But he's been so good that you got to figure he's going to be at least productive if he stays healthy. Uh, they're doing this without the Grom. You throw him in the mix, and he's expected back in June. Um, they they got a heck, heck of a team. The Yankees, uh, you know, I didn't really believe in them. I did have them as a playoff team, but probably the sixth playoff team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, they, they they played Baltimore, Kansas City. Uh, they have won nine in a row. They have been dominant. So they look a lot better than I would have thought. So that's that's on me. John, how much credit should Buck Showalter get for the hot start from the Mets? Definitely some. I mean, it's definitely set a tone. And, uh, you know, I loved when he charged out uh, onto the field <laughs> when his players started getting hit. They've been hit more than any other team. Um, you know, I do think it's the slippery baseballs. I don't think there's a target on their back. But, you know, you got you got to set a tone. And uh, certainly when Lindor and – uh, Alonzo got hit in the head. 
you know, that was certainly an appropriate thing to do. And then, of course, uh, the the tricky movie made uh, thwarting the D-backs who were about to challenge that Dom Smith had left the third too early. Mm-hmm. Turns out he didn't. Uh, that was a rule book thing that probably only Buck would have come up with, and it, it worked because uh, J.D. Davis got to steal second base because Ali Perez was confused. And, uh, you know, certainly is, uh, you know, you're going to have a $290 million payroll, probably not better to go with a, a, a neophyte or an amateur manager, as we've seen some teams do. Yeah. Uh, it's a good, good move, and uh, he's a very good manager. John, have you seen anything different from Francisco Lindor's uh, somewhat of a hot start here early, or is it just second year in New York? Takes a little while for a new guy like that to get used to all the pressures outside the field. Uh, yeah, I think that's exactly it. I mean, even Beltran was not that great his first year with the Mets. I think he had two sixty-eight, but he he just wasn't himself. Uh, it's difficult when you sign a big deal at that time. One hundred twenty million dollars was considered a big deal. Now, at three hundred forty-one million, is considered the big deal. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Lindor just was not himself last year. He was basically an average offensive player, um, good defensive player, but not worth um, $30 million, $34 million a year. Uh, this year he is more like himself. John, I'm I'm wondering, when you look at the this Yankees team, you know, we – I kind of put my hand up here and admit that I I really underestimated how <clears throat> how good this bullpen was going to be this year going into the year and you know even with Aroldis Chapman you know walking guys and and clearly not as dominant as as he's been in the past the bullpen is still is is still really really tough and I'm wondering has how much of this is personnel or how much of this is Aaron Boone using his bullpen differently than he did last year. Is 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 there a difference in how he is using it? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I give him credit. Certainly, they're doing a great job. He's doing something right, but I haven't analyzed it enough to say that he's doing something much differently. Um, obviously, King has been fantastic. Uh, Chapman, who I always worry about from their from their perspective, has been very good. Um, you know, everybody's been good in that bullpen. It's a big thing. It's this is. I mean, not your typical Yankee team. It's not all about the home run, uh, but it, lately it has been. I mean, obviously Rizzo, nine home runs. Judge uh, playing up to the contract that he wants, not the what the Yankees want to give him, mm-hmm. but the one he wants. Uh, you know, it's still got the elements of the Bronx Bombers, but uh, even beyond that, got the bullpen too. But uh, you know, we'll see about the rotation. You know, I, maybe I'm a skeptic. I, I you know. They, they haven't been playing strong teams lately. Uh, we'll see. Now they're playing Toronto. That's a, that's a big series uh, at Toronto. Uh, big deal. Uh, they show they're serious. They all got vaccinated. Uh, they weren't all vaccinated a month ago. And uh, give them credit uh, for doing that. They have two, two guys to go. And uh, they did it for the team. You know, obviously they didn't believe in the vaccination for whatever reason. I think they're, you know, wrong. But... And they didn't believe in it for whatever reason, and they did it, uh, we think, for the team, although they're not talking about it. So we'll never mm-hmm. know exactly why, but it, it, it does help the team. You mentioned Judge. Gut feeling. Do you think the marriage between Judge and the Yankees is over? But it should not be. Obviously, it's been great. It's great for the team. It's been great for him. You know, I mean, does he still get the judges' chambers in right field if he goes somewhere else? I mean, if he, if he does, it seems kind of fake. Uh, you know, it's much better for him and for them if they can figure it out. But, 
they weren't that close. I mean, they look like they're almost maybe not a hundred million apart, but pretty close to it. Um, you know, he thought he deserved Trout money. I mean, you put it that way, it sounds bad, but you know, obviously Trout signed that contract a few years ago. The contracts have gone up now, so you know, case could be made. To me, he's not Mike Trout, but you know, if you're him. You know, you're obviously the face of the team. You're doing this. I mean, I think the lowest OPS plus he had in in any year was 143. I know that, you know, he had two great years in which he was top five and MVP should have won the year that Altuve won. Um, And the other three years, he only played, I think, 63% of the games. So he's really had some injury questions. I get it. But if you're the Yankees, can you really lose him? So, you know, uh, I hope they figure it out. Uh, I think the Yankees made a reasonable offer. They're gonna have to. They're gonna have to pony up a few more dollars at this point, though. What's the early read on Josh Donaldson from your point of view? He's uh, what? He's hitting two oh eight. Um, what's the early read on him? Um, well, I'm not gonna read too much into two oh eight. Although I did write a column saying they need to get more out of Donaldson and uh, and Gallo and Torres uh, early. Um, you know, obviously that's not what you expect. Uh, for, from Josh Donaldson, um, you know, it, it is early though. I mean, we, we, we've just we've played less than a month at this point, and uh, I don't want to read too much into it. Obviously, um, it's he's not where they'd want him to be. I'll say that. Yeah, I got uh, w- one last one before we let you go, John. The, the the conversation a lot around Garrett Cole and the sticky stuff. Why 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 is that conversation still happening? I know he had a good start. I think. His last outing where he was locating the fastball, he was talking about that a little bit more. He seemed to say it was coming off the fingers a little bit better. But there is a lot of talk about the sticky stuff still with him that he can't, you know, do the things he used to be able to do when he was using that all the time. You think that's a worry with the Yankees? Um, yeah, I think some people with the Yankees are still thinking about it. Obviously, Donaldson was the guy who came out and said publicly when he wasn't with <laughs> right. the Yankees. So now they're together, and they're, they're great friends. And Well, I will say this. Cole, Cole likes uh, Donaldson better than he likes uh, Trevor Bauer. That's about <laughs> all I'll say on that. Um, you know, I, I yeah, I, I don't know that it should be. I mean, he's had two great starts in a row. I mean, anybody can have a bad start. I mean, it did seem to be a big deal with him. And you know what? I do think a majority of the pitchers were using it. Um, you know, it, it seems to be an issue, though. You know, controlling the ball, there have been a lot of hit batsmen, and there's been some complaints about the ball. But, uh, you know, he, he complained about the late start opening day being four minutes late with all right, the right. pomp and circumstance, but he, he hasn't really complained about the sticky stuff. It's probably hard to complain about that because I guess that's an admission that you needed yep. it in the first place. <laughs> but we all know that he and many others used it when it was, when it was semi-legal. Yep. John, we're going to let you scoot. Thanks for this, my friend. Be well. Thanks a lot, John. All right. Great talking to you guys. Anytime. Take care. It's John Heyman of the New York Post and uh, MLB Network. The Yankees, by the way, have sent down Clark Schmidt and Miguel Andujar to get to their uh, 26-man. Clark Schmidt's pretty yeah. interesting arm. That That is, that's to, to me, that, I mean, you heard John Heyman say, well, I, I think in a lot of ways, People are going to look at this series, and as we said, it's a significant series. It's the Yankees. They're on a roll. The Jays are, as we said, 15-8 and and all the one-run games and all that. I'm going to say something, though. I think this is a bigger series for the Yankees than it is for the Jays because the Yankees have had a softer schedule. They've had the Orioles. They've had Kansas City. 
I think it's more a, a more significant series for the Yankees than it is for the Jays. I don't. I I I think that the the Blue Jays have vocally voc, vocal vocally been, yeah been vocal about you know how good they are and what they want to end up being, and you got to go through the Yankees to do it. And this is no matter what part of the schedule you're at, April September, who cares? Like I, this for me is, and you're at home, you're trying to establish dominance at home. Yankees are on a roll. It's time for no matter how that team's doing, coming to quote unquote our place. Even though who's pitching with your team and, 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 and you know, how your offense is doing. I, I, I don't agree with that. I think it's time for the Blue Jays to step up. Step yeah, on the gas been, a little bit. They've been stepping up. They've been, they've, been, they've, they've been beating the Astros. They haven't lost back-to-back games American yet. American League East is always something to prove. Yeah. I don't know. I don't okay, I remember that. If, if the Yankees take two out of three, yeah, yeah. you'd be nice. Oh, I, I will. I, nice. I, I think it's more... Uh, I think it's more important for them if they if they if they get swept or they only win one game, people are going to go, okay, well, yeah, well now now you're playing against real teams, and I just think it's more important for them. I think it's more important for them. I, I like nothing. I don't think anything's going to happen this series that'll change our mind about the Blue Jays. Maybe this will bring out yeah. the best in Bo. Maybe Bo is found yeah. a little something about what he needs to swing at and what he doesn't need to swing at, and. Maybe he'll that'll carry over to this series, and the Yankees always tend to bring out the best in Bo and Vladdy. Oh, they do Bo, like Bo, Bo and Vladdy are sort of, you know, falling into this series, not doing a ton up until this point. Bo had a couple of big hits. Vladdy's had some big games, not consistently, but he has had some big games for whatever reason. Hasn't been able to consistently do those things. Maybe it's going to take the Yankees to a couple of lefties, Jamison Tyone. Yeah, you've been there and done it. You've seen that before. You ha- should have a good game plan. You know how they're going to try and get you out with two strikes. Now it's to go out there and do it. Doing it at home too. Joey Gallo, by the way, uh, was used sparingly this weekend because I believe it's a groin injury. Um, so we'll we'll wait and see whether or not. If I'm the Jays, kind of hoping I see him in the lineup because that's a lot of swing and miss. Uh, uh, Joey Gallo's made a big adjustment. Scooting closer to the plate is a big deal for a guy who don't want to try and go the other way. Going the other way and trying to go the other way is two different things. He ain't a try-to-go-the-other-way guy. He going to go over there because, ooh, I was a little late, yeah. and I hit the ball over there, and it just so happened to go over there. Anthony Rizzo said, why are you trying to go over there? Eliminate half the field. You're not that guy. Use that little short porch and right to your advantage. Get the head out. He's a tougher out now. I know he's going to strike out some, but he's a little harder to pitch to. Small, tar- smaller target to him, which means from pitch one, that – you know, where your misses have to be as, a, as an opposing pitcher have to be that much better. Yeah, he has a little bit more length of the lineup when he's in there. Let's give away our tickets now because we will have Dante Bichette joining us at uh, 1130. I want to give Dante as much time as possible mm-hmm. uh, to talk to us. So uh, DMs are open, by the way, for Barker's back leg bits, which we'll also deal with in the second half of the hour. We've got plenty of suggestions, but you can still chime in. SN Jeff Blair is my Twitter handle, and the DMs are open. Uh, let's give away a pair of tickets to Wednesday's game. I feel like giving away tickets. Uh, we're giving you the chance all year long to win Blue Jays t- tickets on Blair and Barker. That's whether you listen on the radio or on our podcast or indeed are watching on Sportsnet 360. All you have to do is text the correct answer to our daily baseball trivia question. The text line is 590-590. 
And a reminder, by the way, that Barker and I will be on Blue Jays Talk after these, uh, after these Yankees games uh, for about 45 minutes to an hour after the Yankees games. So again, all you have to do is text the correct answer to our daily baseball trivia question, 595-90. Friday, we asked you, Charlie Montoyo played four games in the majors for which team? The answer was the Montreal Expos. Today's question is for a pair of tickets to see the Jays and Yankees at the Rogers Center on May 4th, which is Wednesday. Other than A-Rod, this player is the only Yankee to hit over 50 home runs in a season since 1961. I would have got this. Mm. Other than A-Rod, he is the only Yankee to hit over 50 home runs in a season since 1961. Text the answer to 590-590. You could be on your way to the Rogers Center to see the Jays and Yankees on Wednesday. Again, the question, other than A-Rod, he is the only Yankee to hit over 50 home runs in a season since 1961. Text the answer to 590-590. And we may be sending you off to Wednesday's game between the Yankees and the Blue Jays. You asked Joe Siddle a bit about Ross Stripling, uh, who will get the start tonight for the Jays. And I should give out the matchups, actually. I realized I haven't done that yet. The matchups in the series are uh, tonight, Stripling against Jordan Montgomery, Jameson Tyone against Alec Manoa, and uh, Wednesday is Nestor Cortez against Yusei Kikuchi. So, uh, Manoa and Tyone be good matchup what does ross stripling have to do tonight against the yankees fastball command he's not tipping pitches anymore which gives him for me a lot of confidence conviction in his pitches finishing them knowing that he can throw a fastball in any count uh, and they don't know it's coming that's a big deal <laughs> he didn't throw hard enough to be able to tell guys it's coming and now you add location to it he can elevate it he can go away to a lefty which is a big deal he's sprinkling in the secondary pitches but for me, it's fastball commands that much better. He can do that and be a little unpredictable with his pitches, which he has to do. Don't always start the same guy back-to-back hitters with the same pitch. That's 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 important with all the things that come to, the mechanics part of it, the release point, uh, the conviction, the mindset, that catcher back and forth. You can tell whenever he's telling the catcher, stay there, I got this, that will tell you he's got a plan. He's thinking more about the plan than he is mechanics and where his hands are at because he's fixed all that. Mm-hmm. Now it's not an issue anymore. So now it's all about executing the fastball. Fastball command for me is huge. When you throw it, don't throw it down the middle. If you can miss Miss outer thirds, miss elevated. His elevated four seamer was a little bit better last time. That's a that's a decent pitch for him. If he can if he can throw that pitch consistently, not not every pitch, but if it can become a useful pitch for him, that that that's huge for him, isn't it? I think so. Then score first for him. Take a little pressure off of him where every pitch doesn't mean the world to him. That way he can attack. He's done to walk people. Walks are an issue with him because of stuff. Secondary pitches always doesn't have the bite, the late break to it that he wants it to, location that he doesn't want it to. But if you can score first for him, get him in a groove when it comes to mechanics-wise, the flow. He's a big flow guy. Like, you got to have that. I get it and go. I get to sign. I've got confidence. Now I'm locating that one fastball. I want it. It's going where I want it to go. Now everything else sort of feeds off of that and – I like Ross. Like I, I think he's made adjustments enough that he gives his team a chance to win. He's not the greatest pitcher in the world. He's not going to carry your team with for, you. he, he for gives three or four starts in a row, but he's going to give you a chance. He gives you a chance. His job is to keep Trent Thornton out of the game. I mean, let's not lie. Let's just say it the way we want to say it. 
That's his job tonight. Go that extra two-thirds of an inning. Because if you don't, guess who they're going to get loose in the bullpen? To get it to David Phelps and some other higher leverage guys. But you want to stay away from <laughs> a nice certain guys. A nice quick first or second inning would and you, be And you've, be you've mentioned that, that Charlie's been good about knowing when to punt. Well, you're not going to say that, but actions yep. sometimes speak louder than words. And he, the guy gets loose in certain situations where, you know, he'll not use that guy because that guy doesn't need to be used. Yeah, I, I, I've said I have no, I have no, I have no issue with that. I, I think it's, I think there's, there's an aspect of managing a 162 game schedule that demands that you, um, at times, take a realistic look at where you are and what your chances are of, of winning a game. I got three games. I want to win the series. Yeah. If I got to punt, uh, I, I punt the first one to keep my highest leverage guys for the next two. Do what I have to. Yeah, I mean, you would never come out and say that publicly, Absolutely but, not. but, uh, yeah, he I, I, some smart no baseball people will watch games and understand what's going on. Does he have to say? No. He doesn't. No. Dante Bichette is father of Bo. He is no longer with the Blue Jays as a advisor. Um, he left that position uh, the end of last year in order to work with Bo during the lockout because, of course, Club officials were not allowed to have any, or club club officials, coaches were not allowed to have any contact with with players. So uh, Dante stepped away from his role as an advisor with the Blue Jays and worked with Bo. And uh, he's always insightful, not just insightful about Bo. He's got a handle on what's going on with this team. He's got a handle on what's going on in baseball. Dante Bichette will join us next. This is Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. The smartest takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The pitch to Bichette. Swing a fly ball out to deep right field. Tucker back at the wall. He leaps in the air. Goodbye! The Blue Jays are back on top with a two-run go-ahead homer from Bo Bichette. I mean, if you're going to break up a no-hitter, forget the first hit of the game, that's just about the best way to do it. That was Ben Wagner with the call of Bo Bichette's home run yesterday. Um, as I mentioned, his first at bat was a 111-mile-an-hour liner right at right at Jeremy Pena. So there have been signs. There have been signs, I think, that, uh, that Bo is looking more and more like Bo. As I said, we saw, Kyle, we saw Kyle Tucker here this weekend, and he was a guy who was scuffling a week ago, and now he... And Kyle Tucker's falling out of bed and getting base hits. He's left-handed. It's a little easier for him to get a, on a roll quicker, I believe. He's facing more right-handed pitching. Sees the ball a little bit better. Bo sees a bunch of power throwing righties with a bunch of hard secondary pitches. A little, yeah. little tougher. That it is. Uh, Dante Bichette uh, is formerly special assistant with the Blue Jays, and uh, he is, uh, of course, the father of Bo Bichette. He's a four-time All-Star with the Rockies, as always. 
Dante, we appreciate your time. We trust that you and the family are are keeping well and that that all is is going well. Um, look, you know, we've talked. I mean, Bo is a guy who's going to be under a spotlight in the game and in this city uh, for a lot of for a lot of reasons. I mean, he's a guy that everybody everybody wants to see do well. Uh, I, I'm just wondering what tells you because you've probably seen more. Well, I presume you've seen more of Bo than anybody. What tells you that he is just about to turn a corner? When you watch him at the plate, what is the thing that says to you, "Okay, this is now we're 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 kind of things are starting to click." You know, this is where, and again, good to see you. Good to hear you guys. Good to talk to you again. But uh, uh, this is where you know you can kind of look at some of the underlying numbers and say, "Okay, that's that's starting to make a little more sense." Um, and and with Bo. He, he he's his exit velo this year. Average exit velo is is the highest it's ever been. Mm-hmm. His hard hit percentage is I think eighth in all of baseball. Yep. So there's some bad luck going on there. Having said that, I think most of those numbers are because he's just incredibly stronger this year. The ball in BP in spring training was oh man, you could see the man strength starting to kick in. So I still don't think he was right. I mean, I don't think it's all bad luck. I think you know uh, he was off and. And what I notice again, if you look, if you look into the underlying no, uh, numbers, where was he off? Well, he wasn't hit the fastball, but he wasn't late on the fastball. When you still frame it at contact, the barrel was on the fastball, but he was underneath it. So to me, that that's a that's a swing pass thing. Now, and he knew that. We knew that. I saw him in Houston. I actually, first time I saw him all year in Houston, I say, "You're just under the ball. You're not late." Because everybody's saying you're not catching up the fastball. You're late you're under the fastball. You're not late. Um, so how do we fix that? And for a couple of days there, he said, dude, I'm trying so hard to get on top of the fastball. It's just, I can't do it. And what, what I think we found was that, that uh, he was trying so hard to stay back and get on the ball that his back shoulder was dropping. Mm. And whenever you're, Whenever your shoulder drops, I don't care what you do with your swing. If your shoulders aren't on playing with the ball, your bat's not going to be on the plane with the ball because your barrel falls to your shoulders and then it takes off. So it's always in the same path with your two shoulders. So he fixed that. The, the back shoulder's a little higher. I would say this this series, this homestand, his average exit velo has been over 100. That would lead the, that would lead the big leagues if he did that all year long. Yeah. And his average uh, hard hit rate is 75. That would lead the big leagues by about 20. So... So he's there. He's in a good spot. Can't tell you he's going to get hits because I think he's hit two balls at 110, 111 for out. So that, you know, hopefully that starts to turn. But I think he's in a better place right now. That's what I'm seeing. Um, so I think there's some good signs like you guys are seeing. Dante, whenever we talk, you, you were one of the guys that took some big daddy hacks. I was one of those guys. I, you know, I like to let it eat occasionally. We see Bo doing a little bit of that too. Is it when you're struggling and, and you know – Bo, the way you know him, is there any of that sort of tone it down and just sort of take what the pitcher gives you? Is that an approach? Can you can you make adjustments like that when you're sort of a I don't want to say free swinger, but you you know you're more of a guy. I'm gonna get it down. I'm gonna let it eat. It's in my zone. I ain't messing around. Is there any of that back off a little and take what the pitcher gives you? You know, there's two bows out there. There's there's the bow that swings at everything but can hit everything. And then there's the bow that when he's not going right, he swings at everything and he looks just ridiculous. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so you want the bow that's hitting everything. And, and if, if you understand his, just his, his basic, who he is, 
I think the way to go with him is to be more aggressive and swing your way out of it. He, if he starts going passive, that's when he starts taking those ugly half swings and, and he, and then he starts really chasing because he's really kind of, he's not committed. You know, uh, we talk a lot, uh, me and Bo about committing, just commit. If you're wrong, you're wrong. And then go to a hell of a two strike approach, you know? Um, but don't, try to be this passive guy. So that's a trick though. I mean, Kevin, that's, that, yeah. that is a trick. How, how aggressive, how, how are you going to let it go? Who are you? You know, he's more, he's not, he's not the passive guy, but you're right. I mean, you know, he'll, he'll get out of control. That's his instincts and, and he'll probably calm it down as time goes on, but that's kind of who he is. I, I don't, I don't want you to give away all all of Bo's trade secrets and what he thinks and, and how he tries to attack certain at-bats. But whenever you see Bo, you're watching at home, you see him take a two-strike approach, oh, oh. What's that tell you? Um, probably something's a little uh, – this pitcher is uh, maybe a side armor or, uh, or a uh, he's got something that's uh, – the ball's moving a little more. Or he's having trouble picking it up. Maybe the background isn't great or he's just not feeling it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, so he'll just kind of sh- – he'll kind of shorten it up and, and go to a, a two-strike approach. Um, sometimes he, you know, he gets too aggressive, like you say, and, and, and gets out of whack and he just feels better in that spot. You know, I can't tell you, he'll, I used to do the same thing. Sometimes just go to the two strike approach and it was there. And then I, and then I, I run its course and then I'd be better with the leg kick. So I think that's, you know, kind of where he's at. What is, uh, what's Bo like to work with when he's, when he's scuffling, is he the same? Now, admittedly, you're viewing him through the the lens of a father. So, but is is he the same guy? Like the same kid when he's scuffling, quieter than usual, or just as outgoing as usual? You know, Bo Bo's really taken the, the, the trying to take that role as being the same guy. He talks about that consistently because mm-hmm. he wants to be that guy. He wants to be that leader. So he tries he tries his best to be a decent, a good teammate. Uh, so, and, and that's where you got to be careful is when you're going bad, uh, you know, you, you can be a bad teammate real easy. And uh, so he tries his best to be a good teammate, but man, guys, I can't tell you. I mean, you saw a little bit of the, you know, the video of him in the dugout yeah. after he grounded out the short. <laughs> I mean, he, he's got some intensity to him and it's not just in the games. It is how he prepares, how he, how he practices in the off season, he, 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 you know, so there's frustration there, man, when he fails, but he, I think he's, he's matured a lot. I mean, that was an issue in the low minor leagues, man. He would just get so frustrated, but he, you know, I remember uh, Roger Federer that, you know, as cool as Roger Federer looked, they said when he was a young player, he used to throw his racket all over the place and stuff. So both, both figuring it out. Do you, uh, is your, is your relationship with him when it comes to hitting the same, even though you're not, you're not, quote unquote, officially with the team right now? Like, do you have the same conversations with Bo? Uh, are, are they as open as they would have been? Or maybe are they even a little more open because now it's, you know, father to son? Well, you know, I'm not with him every day. So right. the, the, the conversations are more text and maybe over the phone a little bit. And then honestly, the first time I saw him in, in real life this year was uh, in, in Houston and mm-hmm. just this last road trip. So, uh, it was, it's so much, it's so tough to, 
to evaluate a hitter by video, just video, you've got to kind of see, you got to be there in real life. So it was real obvious to me what was going on when I saw him, you know, in person. Mm-hmm. But with me and him, it's it's it, Bo Bo will, Bo is not easy. He's not he's not just going to say okay, I'll do that. But at the same time, he's told me, listen, I might not agree with you, okay, but I want your feedback, and I want it every day. You got it. I want it. every time you got feedback. I want to hear it. So he's good about listening to feedback, but he's, you know, he's he's a, he's a good hitter in his own right. I was never that good a hitter, especially at that age. So so I've I've learned to listen to him because he makes a lot of sense when he talks hitting. So mm. you know, it's it's fun. I, I I personally, as a dad, I enjoy see, seeing him evolve and and uh, and and just figure this game. It's a tough game, man. I mean, hitting is a tough freaking thing. Man. It's, it's impossible. You got to be mentally strong. But I, I watch you. You mentioned uh, something about the when you see him in a dugout, and I, and I I watch a lot because I I tried to hit when I struggled, which was a lot. You try and figure out you know, quicker things that would make you not struggle as, as much. And I see Bo flipping the iPad after mm-hmm. an out or after he takes a bad swing. And I, yeah, again, I don't want to ask you exactly what he's thinking or why he's looking at the iPad so much, but how do you think that could help him? Or do you think sometimes when you're struggling that way, that could probably hurt you more than it could help? You know, it just depends on what you're looking for. And, and, and I think we're both a thinker, man. He's a lot like me. He'll think himself into trouble, but he's also smart enough to think himself out of trouble. And that's that's the beauty and the and the kind of the the bad thing about a guy who thinks a lot at the plate because you hear, don't think, don't think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, if you don't think and you're wrong, then how are you going to get out of it, right? So mm-hmm. so he he'll he will think himself into a bad place, but he he'll think himself out of a bad place too. But I think when you're looking at video, boy, it just depends. Are you looking at mechanics? Are you looking at pitch location are you looking at timing are you you know it just depends on what you're looking at i think he's got to be real careful in looking at mechanics i think he's good looking at uh uh, uh timing and, and location and stuff like that i i don't know i mean we don't talk about looking at the video a lot but i, I send him you know to me i think you can look at underlying numbers and know exactly it's usually a swing path thing with him mm-hmm. maybe he's so strong this year and, and he you know he's had literally since low a ball slow starts every year and, and that's a double a triple a in the first two years in the big leagues all been slow starts where he's dug himself a hole last time he got off to a good start i think he hit 380 in a ball so he he knows what he's capable of doing and i think those that first month he wants to have the whole season in one you know one swing so mm-hmm. he's probably tried to do a little too much you know, you know what's been kind of cool for us to see as well is like the relationship he had and Marcus Semien had last year was 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 pretty special. He, it's it's fun it's fun watching him and George Springer in the dugout. Um, and you know George yeah. Springer's a pretty good guy to have to be able to lean on. Do you find like is is was that sort of a natural thing I guess for for Bo to to do to to sort of seek out a guy like George Springer after Marcus left? Yeah, Bo's always been. Bo loves great athletes and great players, and he's and he reads books on like Kobe Bryant and and uh, um, um, uh, the uh, quarterback there. I'm losing uh, Brady. He wrote. Right. He reads books on Brady, so he loves greatness, and he wants to and he and he wants to pick them apart. You know, I I did the same thing with Ted Williams. I wanted to know everything Ted Williams ate. You know, yeah. And so I and he and Bo told me I think it was probably about a week ago. He said George has been huge for him. And George is, is, 
he's a real, you know, he learned from some good hitters over there in Houston. Brantley was got his guy over there. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that's perfect the way George learned because George struggled. I mean, at 24 years old, I don't think George was a very good hitter at all. No, now he's one of the right. best hitters in baseball. Yeah. And he, so he had to learn. So I think that's good for Bo to search that out. Simeon was great for him last year. George this year. It's awesome. Dante, is there something uh, to, to do with protection around you and the lineup? And this is sort of a two-part. It, it sort of relates to Bo because he hits in front, you know, behind George and in front of Vladdy. That be could be protection. I'm under that uh, umbrella that if you can't hit a breaking ball, it doesn't really matter who's hitting around you. You're going to get a bunch of breaking balls till you show them you can hit at least one or two of them. Is there something to that? You were a guy, you you were a guy that hit a bunch of home runs. Is that is there something to that? Or do we overthink that and there's nothing to it? I think we overblow that big yeah. time. I mean, if you can hit, you can hit. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? It, I mean, if, if they throw it over the plate, you hit it, and they will throw it over the plate. I don't care where you hit in the, in the lineup, they will throw it over the plate. Now, it could get to a point where they just don't pitch to you like a Barry Bonds. Yeah, okay. But you're not putting up – you're not making outs. They're just not pitching to you that good, right? You mm-hmm. go strike, you hit it out of the park, right? But I think that's overblown. If you – you know, especially with Bo. If you look at him last year, he hit – he had the same numbers in the two holes he had in the four hole last year. It it just doesn't matter if you can hit, you can hit. I I, I think maybe there might be some to it. I think it's overblown if I were to really think about it. <laughs> Dante, really good stuff, man. Yeah. We appreciate your time as always. Good to hear from you. Thank you. All right, guys. Thank you, guys. Take care. That's Dante Bichette. Some uh, Tremendous insight in Bo. And I, and I, I mean, I said the same thing on the morning show today. I, they're, they're on the list of things that I kind of worry about this team. I don't worry about Bo's offense. I don't even really worry about his, his, his defense because I just, you know, when you know a little bit about the kid and, you know, we've been lucky to have conversations with John Schneider about him and a guy who's been around him and watched him develop, there are there are players where you just have to kind of step back and go, it's going to be fine. It, it, it's going to be fine. And, um, I, you know, I think part of it is because if someone pointed this out to me the other day. If this was, if Don, if, if Bo was 28 years old and got off to a slow start, we'd be going, eh, you know, slow start going to come around. I still think that I still think we have this idea of Bo as like this 19 or 20 year old kid. And I think we kind of have to get, past that like at some point you have to have faith in the player or you're just going to drive yourself nuts and that's why i don't i i don't like seriously on the list of things i worry about with this team i bo doesn't even enter the equation he cares a lot it's the it's the you can see him that's being frustrated thing. that that's the one thing that that's, that's it stands it's a little, out it's a that's true di- he's a little different than the other guys on the team uh vladdy is has shown a little because of the strike zone and and he's struggling just because he hasn't consistently been hitting balls the way he thinks he should be hitting baseballs and that's sort of translating. He's got to take it out on somebody. Might as well be the umpire. I did it. It's fun. Every once in a while you need to yell at somebody. Mm. Might as well be the umpire. He, he's just, it's a, he's, it's, he's visible with it. Like the, the defensive woes, you'll see him lower his head occasionally, shake his head because all the hard work on the field sometimes is not translating to on the field. Yo. And that's, like it's it's going to play out. It's, I just think he, I, I, I mean, I think he figures, I think he figures stuff out. I, I, I really do. We got to remember too, the pitching at the big league level is really good. It's, it's, it's better than it's been in a very long time with how hard they throw as much well, as they throw I, secondary I, pitches. You know, I wonder about this, Kevin. I, yeah. I, I haven't talked to anybody about this, but 
you know, we talk about offenses down, offenses down, offenses down. I wonder if that makes it easier for a guy who's scuffling no. to look around and go, Jesus, nobody else is hitting either. It's like, hitting a, it's like hitting a line drive when you're 0 for 15. It's out. Yep. I don't care if I hit it hard. Hey, you know what time it is? It's time for Barker's Back Leg Bits. That's the story of Barker's career right there when Barker's like, hey, just get out of here, you know, what the hell's going on? I don't know who he was praying to, but Barker's like, get out, get out of here, and the guy's right at the fence, like, I got this one, you know? The umpires would throw the balls out, like, hey, Barker's up, bring in the six balls, we need the dead ones, bring in the dead ones. Barker's Back Leg Bits. Uh, he's off the Christmas the mayor. list. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Barker's back leg bits again. This is where you ask Kevin Barker a question. SN Jeff Blair is my Twitter handle. Uh, you can DM me. This is from Rick Fair for Barker's back leg bits. We're nine and four during our 20 days, 20 games and 20 days stretch. I originally thought if we could finish 500, given all our injuries, it would be a success. I think 13 and seven is doable. What were your expectations before this stretch? And what record do you think we finished with after the Cleveland series. Look, the, 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 20, the, the 20 games we're talking about, I, I was on with 13-7 or 14-6. and six. That was my, my confidence level. I admit it wavered when Teoscar Hernandez got hurt, but at this stage of the year, I think if, you're a, if, if you go through these games and you end up a little over 500, you've done okay. I hate to stand in the fence, but I think you also got to look at what the other teams are doing. Right, like I look at this run of twenty games, and the only thing I can see that has really happened to the quote-unquote American League East race is the Red Sox have dug themselves a bit of a hole, mm-hmm. and the Yankees have given themselves a bit of an advantage. I think the Jays are the Jays are kind of where I thought they'd be, with again the exception that they're doing it without all these guys. You think three games above five hundred after that tough stretch? I'd be happy with and, and that. I, absolutely. Just by everything that they were doing, the starting pitching they were getting, the closer was doing his thing. The defense, for the most part, was good. They'd learned by their mistakes. The, the throws from the outfield, throwing to the wrong base, overthrowing the cutoff guy. You didn't see that back-to-back. That would tell you coaches were really beating it in those guys' head. Don't do that. To, to win those games by one run, you got to do the little things. And – I was thinking three or four games above 500, but you'll take what you get. Uh, Canadian card guy uh, likes the podcast. Thank you very much. Wondering what our thoughts are about the pitch clock in the minor leagues and how it could affect base running and holding on runners. He's talking about a game where Garcia spent 25 to 30 seconds paused after getting set to disrupt Bo's timing at first. I think it could increase base dealing if runners could take advantage of timing the pitchers delivering the pitch clock, if you know what I mean. Thanks. It is interesting because if there is a pitch clock on there, the whole the whole idea of timing a pitcher's move changes a little bit, doesn't it? Pay them to steal bases, they'll steal more bases. Yeah, that's, well, that is, we talked about that. It's like, you know how you get hitters to go the other way instead hit into the shift? Pay them to hit 300. Pay them to hit 300. I mean, it's a short answer. It's not, but it's, it's right. It's, it's simple. The, 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 that clock, I, I'm, I'm on the fence about the clock. I love it. I love it. I, uh, I love it. I didn't think I would, but I've watched games you know, online minor league games that they in effect. I've seen I umpires it, call strike three already because a hitter's taking a second or two too long. Yeah. I'm not fans of that. How, how's yeah. that going to go? You got a really good hitter to play. Mike Trout's the plate. You going to call him out strike three? Good luck with that. Well, there is. Good luck with that. That is. Now we get into reputations and everything, and that good is that is one of the issues. That is a very good point. That is one People of the issues. already is, hate one of the umpires. With the, Let's be with honest. The pitch clock. <laughs> But the other thing is, three on good players. But you know what? If you have a clock and everybody can see it, then it ain't on the umpire; it's on the hitter. 
I mean, the evidence is is right in front of you. I think it needs, it's coming and I'm okay with it. Again, just based on what I've seen, and I've seen like two or three minor league games this year with the clock online. Not a finished product. Um, it's better than I thought it would be. And, and I think what surprises me is people are people seem to be adapting to it a little more. Uh, that is it for us today. We'll be back with Blue Jays talk tonight immediately following the Jays-Yankees game. We'll be back tomorrow, 10 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590, The Fan 360, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Have a great afternoon.